This is Orion CKB. Welcome to Up Your Roas. This is a story I have to share with you all. Hey everyone, welcome back to Up Your Roas. This is Amanda, and I'm here with Pavan Patadar, the director of Ad Optimization, one of our three great directors. Uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and give everybody a fun fact? Uh, sure. Uh, like Amanda said, my name's Pavan. Have been with Orion. I it feels like two years, but I think it's just been four months. Uh, Thanks. Thanks yeah. a lot. It feels like he's been here forever. Yeah. Well, it might be more of a product of DR advertising, right? That's true. Things are moving so fast, there's never a dull moment. Um, Previous to this was working at Facebook for two and a half years, helping them craft the digital strategy behind uh, their brand advertising needs for the development of the Facebook brand. And then prior to that, worked for about three and a half years with Nanigans, a SaaS platform out there. Started. That's the reason I thought you were going to say Sasquatch. No. You started saying Sasquatch. Sass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I started with Nanigans and uh, cut my teeth in DR there. So give us a fun fact. Okay. Um, a, other than your love for Ikea. Other than... <laughs> uh, um, so a fun fact is once while at Facebook, I was um, I got tapped to help out a couple of people that were working on the lean-in user acquisition campaign to get more people uh, aware and clicking through to download the book and got tapped to help out the Lean In team with that. Spent a few weeks working with them kind of on the side, but after I finished working with them, got a personal email from Cheryl with my name in the two line (laughs) by itself uh, as a personal thank you and that was definitely one of those things that I printed out and put on the fridge. I was about to say, is it like framed on your desk? Yes, yep. it should be. It should be. Absolutely. Yeah, it deserves to be. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. She said, hey, Pavon. <laughs> Done. Yeah. And didn't she get locked out on like a roof somewhere and you let her back in? Yep. Yep. She she went to for a one-on-one on the rooftop and neither her nor the person she was walking with had remembered their badge, which is technically illegal at Facebook. And she... Could have gotten, you know, you set down. Could have turned her in. Could have turned her in, yeah. But she, she walked up to me and was like, can you badge me in? And I pretty much floated to the door. Um, <laughs> and then the floor opened up and, then and floor, you fell yeah. into your grave. Yeah, exactly. life was good. Life was great. Now, I know you did a lot of work at Facebook, um, you know, working on video advertising. And now that e-commerce has really sort of transitioned almost all into video advertising, what do you think it is about video that's made it so popular? I mean, I think first and foremost, you got to see the, you got to credit the popularity in video on Facebook, honestly back to Facebook itself. Um, Facebook is definitely, you know, giving a lot of love to the video ads. We've heard many times from different reps, whether it's our own Facebook reps or client reps, that video is the format of the minute. It's what they really believe. Um, So because of that, you know, they're pushing it a lot advertisers are making those changes and we're seeing a switch in the newsfeed. But then also secondarily, I think it's just a better unit to translate not only your product offerings or your brand values, um, but pretty much anything you want to translate. It, it just it lends itself to telling a story and narrative far better than you know a static link ad can. So how do you think it went from being just more of sort of a branding tool? Because I feel like when video first came out, it was much more of just, you know, sort of 
here's our brand, here's what we do. How do you think, you know, what sort of drove it to go from branding to more of a, of a direct response? So I think the reason that we're seeing it as such a more popular unit for DR and how it translated from a brand unit, ad unit, excuse me, to a DR ad unit has to be credited to the fact that Facebook has technology put in place to make creating videos so much easier. I mean, prior to that, I remember when video ad units first came out with the option to have uh, link CTAs on them, a lot of our DR advertisers were not jumping on it because a lot of them just didn't have the bandwidth to create high quality, beautiful videos. I mean, it takes a lot of resources. If you're a smaller startup, you don't have those resources uh, on hand, whether it's financially or from a personnel standpoint, uh, which is why you only saw the brand advertisers using it. You know, they have the big agencies out there that are developing all these amazing assets, so they were kind of exclusive on it. But then Facebook, realizing that this was an opportunity that they're seeing a lot of engagement on with the users, knew that for them to scale this out, they have to figure out a way to make it easier for DR advertisers. And I think when they created the option to take static images and kind of roll them into a video and then overlay music on it, that's when it really opened up the floodgates. So what do you think the impact of, you know, sort of now defunct platforms like Vine and um, even Periscope, because I remember when Periscope came out, it was the shit, and now it's like, sort of just there Mm -hmm. um you know do you think facebook sort of saw that and realized that or do you think they already knew it was coming i need you to get inside mark's head actually (laughs) and figure out what you thought what he thought at the time i mean i think video has been a priority for facebook for a while now i think they definitely saw the trend and saw how the entire social landscape was moving there and I think we, we saw this huge shift and we continue to see shifts in, in social media where you know first it was a lot of text-based and then you started seeing a lot of photo-based and then you started seeing the shift towards video and I think video is really blown up with all these players that you're talking about. You know, you Snapchat out there, you had the Vine, um, even Twitter getting in on that. And so I think we saw the, from an organic standpoint, a lot of users actually creating videos and putting that content up which created engaging experiences for other for their friends and their other users. And I think it was just a recent play where Facebook decided to to open that up to advertisers, you know, knowing that now users are used to seeing video in their feed. And if anything, I think Facebook was a little behind on that curve where a lot of other people were playing harder on the video space in terms of ads. And Facebook's kind of recently stepping up in the past, you know, let's say year um, to the plate on video. Well, I think at least for them, they've got a good sort of base to come from. You know, the, I think the other ones are sort of building it as they're building out everything else. And so the nice part, I guess, about being Facebook is that you kind of have that base, you know, yeah. and so it's a lot easier to sort of branch out in a video. Yeah, actually, as you were saying that and sort of we went from text to pictures, uh, it just reminded me I got a notification on Facebook that I've been on Facebook for 12 years as of today. And I just remember when Facebook, I know, I'm so old, Um, when Facebook first got the capacity to even upload photo albums. How um, amazing was that? How how And I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing. Yeah. And uh, at that point, it was the, that was almost the the death of Flickr. Oh yeah. Where as soon as Facebook went from just a place to connect with your community, but also a place to upload and share photos, it became the dominant photo player out there because you already had the community. And then when you just add that ability to add photos, it just blew up. Yeah, and so the kids out there that are listening, Flickr was a photo sharing site back okay. in the day. Oh, we have to um, explain that. <laughs> yeah, you just aged yourself. I'm assuming, I don't know, maybe they know what Flickr is. 
Um, I know also people use it to source uh, community commons pictures oh, yeah. uh, for bloggers, but outside of that, I don't really know if kids... I mean, that's like saying MySpace, I think. So, um, or Friendster. <laughs> or Friendster. Oh, Friendster. The players that's come so and go. Cute. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, and then Facebook stayed. So we've talked a little bit about how big Facebook has been with video lately. Uh, what do you have to say, too, about how big it's been on Instagram? We know Facebook bought Instagram back in about 2011, 2012. So how do you think it translates between the two platforms? Would you say it's interchangeable? Like, do you think it's... One's better, one's, you know, not. What What are your thoughts? Um, I I, I don't want to say one's better, one's not. That's a that is a putting a putting a foot in the sand that I do not want to do. <laughs> um, but I definitely have seen across a number of different clients that you should be reviewing your mix of Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, for some people, you see parity and performance will be the same, which is great because then you can kind of lump them together and then extend your reach on your ads, get more delivery, which is fantastic. In other places, we've seen dramatically different performance. And when I see a dramatic different performance, even good or bad, it means there's an opportunity there to take your Instagram strategy, pull it out of your Facebook strategy and run it on your own. And if anything, that's the approach I generally like to take. Um, Instagram as a platform is just a dramatically different place. I think users go onto that platform with a different goal in mind. Um, while I think Facebook largely is around obviously connecting um, and staying connected with friends, family, or those that you're close with, I think Instagram is a place where people are going for that, but then they're also going for inspiration. They're also going to see beautiful content, and therefore I think your Instagram strategy should reflect that. You should be getting into the mindset of your user and thinking, well, what are they used to seeing on Instagram? Um, what does their feed look like? And then how does my video complement what my user's feed should look like? You know, you wanna be, there's a game, a balance you have to play where you want to be stand out, you wanna stand out enough that the user will stop, but you don't wanna stand out too much um, where you're, where you're you know, shocking the user because it's, it's too adsy. And while I think Facebook has always had ads and people are so used to seeing it. Instagram's relatively new. I mean, a lot of people are still in holdouts. A lot of people still aren't seeing it. A lot of people are still capped in terms of number of ads they'll see on Instagram. So I think also a second thing to, to be cognizant of is users aren't as used to seeing ads on Instagram and therefore they might be a, they might find it a bit more jarring um, seeing them there. Now that you've given us a little background on, on video on Facebook and video on Instagram, one of the big things we hear from our clients is that they expect video to be these huge productions and they need, you know, lighting and sound and all sorts of stuff. Is that something you've seen or do you feel like they can be a little bit less of a, you know, Broadway show? You know, I definitely think there's value in that. Um, but again, I always kind of say this when anyone asks me for a broad sweeping uh, answer, <laughs> it's always on a per client basis. Um, it depends. It always depends. Who would have thought? Um, so I definitely think that now with the tools in place, you don't need the high quality videos. You don't need the, the full production um, to get out great content to your users. And if anything, I think as a DR advertiser, what's more valuable is moving quickly. You know, testing a lot of different assets out there, seeing what works. You know, I think what's limiting about getting a beautiful piece of uh, video content is that once you've spent all that money, that's all you really have. 
but as any good DR advertisers know, you got to be testing and testing and testing. So ideally, you'll try one style of videos, and then you'll try a different style of videos, and then you'll see one will work, and then you'll you'll iterate further. You know, maybe you'll try multi-product versus single product. Maybe you'll try multi-color versus multi-angles. And I think you get the ability to do all of that when you're not running the high quality assets and when you're not running the high quality videos because you can move quick by changing around different individual images when you're creating, for example, a slideshow. But why I said it all depends is, you know, we have seen some clients that have taken the time and energy uh, and resources to put together beautiful brand videos. And so it's not to say that DR advertisers cannot because we've actually seen a lot of times some of these brand videos won't get the conversion rates that maybe some of the easier uh, more DR style slideshow videos will, but their CTRs tend to do so well that you're able to get such a discount in CPC that you're able to get scale, good top of the funnel costs, and even though you're not getting that as strong of a downstream conversion, it will still back out. We've had some clients that have been able to see huge scale from brand videos as well. So, you know, one of those things, if you have the resources, I definitely think it's always awesome to see a small DR shop put together a brand video, a brand spot, to explain what their value props are, what differentiates them, and why ultimately people should be buying not only into their company, but to, into their ethos almost. Um, Ooh, ethos, that's a good, that's a good as word. As soon as it popped my head, I was like, I'm yes, gonna drop ethos. Yes. I love it. Um, but yeah, so I think there's value there, and if you have the resources, it's definitely worth trying, because you know we've seen it work across a number of different clients, but not something that should stop you from running video ads. You know, right. Never should be a stopper. For someone then, you know, are there best practices about running video ads uh, on Facebook, regardless of whether it's a big, you know, production or not? You know, I know everyone uh, in industry is in love with the term snackability and snackable content and snack, snack, snacks. I just love snacks, actually, I know, too. I know. Is. I think they know that ever, we're a snacking culture. Yeah. So. Yeah. Free snacks in the office. Exactly. Um, that's, that's the only reason I'm here. So, so I know the everyone's always talking about snackable content, so... You know, definitely, you know, I can reiterate some things there. If, if I could choose, I'd always have it be under 30 seconds, so that way it's auto-looping by Facebook. Um, you know, if it's a slideshow, I tend to try to keep it just a few cards with only, you know, maybe two seconds per card, enough to, to get the user to see what's happening and move on, unless there's text, in which case you want enough time to actually be able to read the text. Right. You know, nice to have. Um, but that being said, on the flip side, I've seen some long-form content work. You know, kind of coming back to what I said before about the brand videos, um, I've definitely seen a minute and a half, two minute, three minute videos oh, work yeah. for DR clients. And that is just, you know, in my mind, super counterintuitive to what we're constantly hearing, you know, at it's these sad conferences. It's that, that three minutes, I'm like, oh my God, that's such a long amount of time. Like we've become that society. That oh yeah. Three whole minutes for your attention is, is huge. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you can get the users to watch it, then it's super valuable. And at the same time, it's not all about, in my opinion, just getting them to watch some long-form piece of content and then click through and ultimately buy something. I think what's super interesting too is developing custom audiences around users that are viewing your videos. You know, say, um, say you make a brand spot and you get users to 50% of the video, say it's a three minute video and a minute and a half. Someone who's willing to stick around to listen to a minute and a half of you talking to, right. obviously has some interest. Even if they did not go in and buy then, 
it's worth grabbing that user into a custom audience and then kind of keeping them on the side either to create a lookalike off of to find more users that are interested in your brand or could potentially be interested in your brand or even just talk directly to them and you know trying to upsell them and actually buying things now that they've bought into your brand now they sort of sound like things that uh you know that sounds like a best practice for facebook um is there a different best practice you would say for instagram or would you say they're kind of the same i just feel like Somebody's more personally, I'm more likely to maybe watch a three-minute video. I actually watched a five-minute video about uh, a guy in a unicorn outfit um, over the weekend on <laughs> Facebook. So it's it's brilliant, actually. Um, it involved lots of glitter. It was great. All the glitter. But all the glitter. Sprinkling glitter all around. I should come into the office doing that. But I don't <laughs> foresee that really being as popular on Instagram. You know, is that something you've noticed, too? or? Hmm. I feel like what I generally do is when I have those longer brand spots, I will add in Instagram. Well, after I see it taking off, I'll add in Instagram just to keep the reach high to give that video that's working more leeway and space. But I definitely agree with you that you know unless I had something that was really taking off and I was just trying to find an opportunity to get more reach, mm -hmm. I would definitely keep content on Instagram to be a bit shorter. Um, and I think that comes back to what is the user doing there and ultimately what is the type of content they're seeing. You know, on Instagram, I feel like my feed has gotta be similar to most people's feed where it's still a fair amount of static videos. Sorry, it's a fair amount of static uh, images. You got plenty of boomerangs. Right. Um, and you got some videos, but it all tends to be really short snippets of content where you're flipping and flipping and flipping and flipping. Yeah. I feel like you know to ask someone to sit on a video for three minutes on Instagram is a huge ask versus on Facebook where you know they're willing to sit down to listen to that inspirational video, you know, minute and a half video that they saw that their friend posted. Right. Yeah, I think that that also makes a difference. You're much more, at least I find I'm personally much more likely to share also something I've seen on Facebook versus a video I've seen on Facebook versus a video I've seen on Instagram. Um, and that could also be the sharing features. I feel like it's a lot easier to share on Facebook as well. But yeah. do you have any tests that you recommend uh, for doing video ads? I think first and foremost, um, you start with, I like to start with keeping things together. Unless I've had a client that has tried this in the past and knows that you know one channel's right for them and one's not, I think always starting with optimized delivery, clumping Facebook and Instagram together, and start, starting that way, and then constantly keeping an eye on your delivery breakdowns to see if one's working out better or worse. Um, and then if you see, again, like I said before, if you see an opportunity where the performance is dramatically different, that automatically means an opportunity to either A, make Instagram more efficient, um, or B, uh, take advantage and scale it out more. Is there anything? Did that answer the question? Yeah, okay. I think so. <laughs> um, is there anything you've been surprised by when handling video ads, either on Facebook or Instagram or both? Anything that you were like, I mean, I guess maybe the three minute thing that there are yeah. people that are willing to stick around, so. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think the most surprising thing was seeing brand style, long form content working for DR players and just blew me away. Um, and since then kind of rewrote, rewrote my own mindset on um, the potential there. But I think in general, another thing I've been surprised by outside of the brand videos is how well these slideshow ads work. You know, for something that's really simple to make, you're, right. you're really just stitching together five individual images. 
I feel like we've been seeing a lot better performance on those than something like a carousel unit. You know, you can take a carousel, five a five card carousel, push them together into a video asset, and essentially force the user, mm-hmm. for you know, all intents and purposes, uh, to go through your slideshow. Sorry, to go through your carousel, and we'll see that perform better than the carousel. I mean, obviously, if you're trying to drive people to different product pages, you, right. you still want to run the carousel unit; it's still valuable. But you know, if you're just trying to get an understanding to the user about the type of products you have, about the type of services you have, you know, or even just giving them your narrative uh, on your brand and, and what you guys have to offer, what what sets you apart. Um, you know, I think the fact that these little slideshows that are essentially just static and just put together, that they work so well is, is amazing. Yeah, that's something that I was really surprised by too. I kind of came in thinking it had to be, you know, a high-level production. Like yeah, the, got to get an agency to get... Right. But like, you, you need a creative director to make this work. You know, but, and Bradley Cooper needs to be involved or something, you know, and have somebody... CTRs with Bradley Cooper? I mean, let's be honest here. For days. Although, uh, you know, I'd probably be more of a Channing Tatum girl, but... Okay. You know, uh, or... What's his face? Uh, Gerard Butler. <sighs> right? That was a great right? pick. That was a great right? pick. Right? Thank you. Um... You know, I think it's the Scottish thing too, but mm, and the beard and the beard—it's all about the it's beard. A full it's all about the beard. Why do you think I married my husband? <laughs> so, shout out to my husband. Um, we don't want to keep people too long. You know, keeping up with that snackable content. We want our podcast to be equally snackable. Um, you know, thirty-minute snack break. I think that's always a good thing. Perfect. So, are there certain things that you wish clients knew about video ads? Can you give like a top three things you wish clients knew uh, as we? finish up here mm-hmm. um i think one is don't be afraid of just getting something out the door you know it doesn't have to be high production for you to run something you know i think testing more is definitely opportunity almost exactly how people are used to running static images where oh i'll iterate on changing around the background color or isolating color out or adding a text overlay almost exactly how you think about your link ads i think you can think of your slideshows in the or your videos in the exact same way you know so a don't think it has to be something too high production b iterate on it like you would your static images because if you think about it creating them is so simple you should be iterating on on them just as quickly and then c Again, similar with your link ads, be contextual with what you're doing. You know, um, know where your users are going to see your video, know what circumstance they're going to see your video, and then who's the audience and who's the intended audience. Um, you should be pairing them up according to those almost three, four parameters to deliver a custom, what should feel to the user, a custom video meant for them. You know, I don't want to go into my feed, uh, you know, if I've expressed interest for, um, sneakers over. You know, high-end Italian. I just wear sneakers. Fun fact, everybody. Pavon probably is the, uh, what's her name? Isabel DeMarcos or whatever that has, like, a million shoes. Yeah. He's that of the sneakers in our office. FYI. I recently tried to pare it down. I think I'm still at 20 pairs. Oh, that's it? 15 to 20. This was after a big cut, though. Oh. Then maybe I'm the Isabel DeMarcos because I've literally got, like, 100 pairs of shoes. But anyways, continue. Yeah. Um, Um, You've expressed interest in sneakers. You don't want to go on and see... Yeah, so, you know, if I'm on Instagram and I've expressed interest in sneakers and I'm I'm not a big, like, a nice Italian shoe buyer and you have that data, uh, you know, whether it's through a lookalike audience or some sort of custom audience or even just leveraging broad category targeting, you know, make sure that the video content 
makes sense for that. It makes sense for me. You know, you want to be showing me, you know, your nicer version of sneakers or something along those lines. Um, so yeah, uh, making sure you're thinking about where your users gonna be watching these videos, who they are, and make sure that the video is contextual in that nature. Awesome. To recap, don't be afraid to put something out there. It doesn't have to be, you know, this big production. Test more iterations of it and know your audience. Again, that's something that's come up a lot in these podcasts, uh, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's lead gen, e-commerce, whatever. You know, where are you targeting them? How are you targeting them? When are you targeting them? You know, that's something that's going to be crucial to figuring out your sort of direct response plan. Uh, we thank Pavan. He's a busy, busy guy, obviously leading a team here and doing all that he does. So we appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with us on course, our podcast. And do you want to have a, a call sign or do you have a uh, Zapula and Scahill did they they do Mike and Mike mid morning was theirs. Oh, so I don't no know if goodness. you have any. I don't do creative while on the spot. I, no, I don't have a cool call. So I, Sneakers out. Or yeah, just Pavon out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Peace. All right. Peace Thanks, out. everyone. Thanks again for joining us for episode four of Up Your Roaz. We hope you learned a lot and are able to take away some actionable insights onto doing video advertising on both Facebook and Instagram. If you've been enjoying our podcast, you can now subscribe to us on iTunes. You can scroll to the bottom of this blog post and click subscribe there, or go on iTunes and search Orion CKB. We'd also love it if you could leave us a review, but mostly we just appreciate you listening. Check us out again July 12th when we release our next podcast. Thanks. This is a story I have to share with-